0: have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 5. The title of my message today is The Three Characteristics of Good Church Leaders. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. I think everyone that's here today can be a good leader in the church. Every single one of us. Fulfillment and joy go along with being a leader in a church. Did you know that? Fulfillment and joy. That's kind of what we're all after, I think. We want that in our lives, and this is the way we get it. You would be blessed by God for helping and appreciated by your fellow members. We have all kinds of uh, positions here in our church. We have a church moderator, a deacon chairman, a trustee chairman, a lot of other major jobs. We have a church clerk, a church treasurer, a missions chairman. We have a lot of committees. What I always try and get people to do is to get on one of the committees and then as a year or two goes by you learn the how it works, and how it uh, pushes ahead, and all of that. And then you become the chairman, and you become the one that uh, leads that particular group. In our passage today, Paul is saying immaturity of faith is the reason for all the troubles that they have at the church in Corinth. Now, Paul started a lot of churches, but the one that was As much trouble as all the rest of them put together was the one in Corinth. That was the bad, bad church. Uh, they were always on the wrong note. They couldn't get on the right note. Uh, they just had all kinds of trouble and Paul kept trying to relate to them and write letters to them and help them. But they just, uh, they just were always a problem. He rebukes them for remaining babies in the faith. Now what do you suppose Paul would say about the group that you're in? Uh, some of us uh, are in this group or that group. All of us are in some group. There's a Sunday school group, there's a golfing group, there's an eat out together group. I'm in the last one a lot. Uh, A Sunday school group or a golfing group or an eating group are all places where we can uh, share some of the faith that we have. Where we can share some of the good tidings of great joy to people that maybe have never heard it before. A Sunday school group or a golfing group or an eat out group can be used by God to grow, to develop, to reach out, to touch others in a very specific way and draw them into that group and help them to become uh, one of those that are stalwarts in the body of Christ. Bill Milliken, a former pastor here, was here for 15 years, did a great job. Uh, He's gone home to be with the Lord now, but when he was pastor here, one of the things he did that I thought was so interesting is he got real, real active with our softball team. Uh, Our church uh, played a lot of softball, and he led a lot of those softball players to the Lord, and he reached out to just about everybody that played in that whole league. And made a real difference for our Savior. Whatever group we're in, we can work through that group to reach a lot of people. How would Paul evaluate your group spiritually? It's bad to remain a baby if Christ uh, has given you plenty of time to develop. If all your group does is play pickleball one day a week, and that's the only group that you're in, and the name of Jesus never comes up in a positive way, then that's bad. That's bad. Something needs to change there. It's not bad to be a baby, but it's terrible, terrible to remain a baby. There are all kinds of people in every church, from babies to mature Christian leaders there are a few instances where the babies have become the leaders that's always bad uh when that happens god chooses some people to be leaders in every church some don't accept that appointment some hopefully most do god chooses people that can get the big picture you know a church you you have to kind of Know what all's going on in order to be able to help other people and direct other people and get people involved in the right thing and to do the right thing. When I was a singles minister in a large church years ago, we had two outreach leaders in each of the 13 classes of single adult ministry that we had. Some of our outreach leaders didn't understand the big picture. They just wanted to visit the cute girls that visited. That's all, the, that's all that they wanted to go visit. They didn't want to go visit the guys. They didn't want to go visit girls that weren't very cute. They didn't understand or want to understand the overall ministry that we were about. This morning, let's look at the three characteristics of good church leaders. Number one, good church leaders... Seek the redemption of man. Now, look at verse 5. The word diakonos is the word that's used many times for deacon. And also for ministers. And also for servants. This same word. It is not the word for selfish. It's on the other end of the spectrum. From that word. Verse 5 says that we can be instruments of God through whom God calls ministers and deacons and laymen. God can use you to call others to places of service. For instance, if you're here this morning you heard somebody singing around you that just had a terrific voice, you ought to nudge them a little bit and say, Hey, you ought to be in the choir. You're really a good singer. Our choir would love to have you come and be a part. God can use you to call people to a lot of different things. If God calls you, then God can use you. God uses all of us to nudge others forward in service. If someone asks you to help somewhere, somehow, in the church, give give it a try. Give it a try. Just... Just say, well, uh, you know, I, I'll come once or I'll, I'll do it a few times, see how I like it. Uh, sometimes you start helping with someone or something, and God really blesses what you're doing. I mean, it just kind of takes off. Whatever happens, whatever is accomplished, we need to remember to give God the credit for all that goes on. Servants work well in a family setting in a class setting, in a group setting. If your Sunday school class uh, doesn't have some folks that are really getting with it, working hard at it, then your class isn't going to do well. They try to help, they try and grow, and they try and mature, and they can do that if they have the appropriate leadership. When your group really begins to love each other and build up each other, That's so very, very important. Then you have a great mature group. It's the same for a family. It works exactly the same way. When I was in the fifth grade, I had a friend named Jimmy Sockwell. He was athletic and we played on all the school teams together. It was a lot of fun. We got to be close friends. Uh, We played together during recess every day and uh, he was just really a nice guy. One day, he invited me over to his house uh, that coming Friday night. He said, come over, and we'll play some ball in the afternoon, and then we'll eat, and then we'll spend the night at my house, and then uh, we'll play ball all Saturday morning. And I thought, that sounds great to me. I said, I've never done anything like that. I'll have to ask my parents if I can go. And he said, we'll do. So I told my parents about it. And my dad called the Sockwell family to see if everything was on the up and up. And I guess it was because uh, he said I could go. Well, Mrs. Sockwell picked us up on Friday afternoon, picked Jimmy and I up, and we got in the car and we went to their house. And almost from the time I opened the door of the car, there were a bunch of kids standing around. They said, let's play basketball. Well, I love to play basketball, so we got out there and played for a couple of hours. Mrs. Uh, Sockwell, after a couple hours, went out on the back porch and called for us to come in and eat, and uh, I thought, well, that'd be great. So uh, here we go. We go into the house. I go to the dining room, and there's all kind of food there that I like. I don't like everything, but everything, you know, that was on their table, I thought that was great. So I got a plate, and I started dishing up stuff and putting it on my plate. And Jimmy kicked me under the table. I was about to hit him when I realized that nobody was getting food for their plate. So I thought, well, I've done something wrong here. So I stopped doing what I was doing. And uh, uh, the father, Mr. Sockwell, said, uh, let's pray together. Well uh, we all bowed our heads. We didn't do that at my house, but I thought, well, I guess that's what we're going to do. So we all bowed our head. Mr. Sockwell prayed. It was a great meal, just a terrific meal. I liked every bit of it. After the meal, Mr. Sockwell said, let's go meet in the den. That sounded real bad to me (laughs) because every time my family met in the den, somebody got a beating. And that was not good, not good at all. And uh, I thought, oh, that's not good. So as we were walking to the den, I asked Jimmy, my friend, I said, uh, what did we do wrong? He said, nothing. So we got into the uh, den, and Jimmy's older sister came in to join us. And we all sat down, and Mr. Sockwell went over to the mantel and pulled out a great big Bible, and I thought, this is really going to be bad. This is going to be bad. And uh, he opened up the Bible and started reading from some passage. And at the end, he gave kind of a synopsis of what he thought that meant. And then his wife did the same thing. And then Jimmy's older sister did the same thing. And then Jimmy did the same thing. And as I listened, I thought, Jimmy really had something good to say. How did he come up with that? You know, I just couldn't believe it. And then Mr. Sockwell asked me if I had something to say. And I said, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> I thought it was that was about as good as I could do. Then we all bowed our head again. I didn't know what was coming next. I never did. Uh So we all bowed our head and we all prayed. Then we all hugged each other. And then we all told each other, Every one of them that we love them. I hated hugging Jimmy's older sister. She was about seven or eight inches taller than I was. That's awkward for a boy to have to hug a girl that, you know, that's way tall. So I didn't like that. I didn't like hugging Mr. Sockwell. That wasn't any fun either. And then I had to hug Jimmy. That wasn't fun. It was just that hugging part I would have left out totally. Well, uh we ate, we prayed, we did all the reading of the Bible. And so then Jimmy and I went upstairs to go to bed. And when we got up there, I had the upper bunk, he had the lower bunk. And I said, uh, Jimmy, how often do you all do all that stuff? How often do you go to the den and pray and hug each other? And How, how often do you all do that? He said, we do it every night. And uh, he said, you know, it's not bad. Our family, we really do love each other. You know, I, I knew, of course, that we didn't do any of that stuff at my house. And so I thought, well, uh, maybe that's something we ought to do. Because our house is not very warm, it's not very friendly. Maybe that's something we ought to start I thought maybe that's how family is really supposed to work. In a Sunday school class, you ought to have Bible study. You ought to have prayer. And you ought to have building people up in the Lord. Not tearing them down, not saying nasty, snappy things. Building them up. The sockwell served each other, helped each other, loved each other. And, you know, that's how a ministry group works. That's how a church works. They reached out to me spiritually, the Sockwell family. i would never had anybody do that in my whole life. But they did. Can we all do that? We can if we want to. Number two, good church leaders are people that God equips for ministry. Every Christian has specific spiritual gifts. Now you might have one gift and you might have a whole bunch of gifts. We don't make that decision as to which gifts we get. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Verse 5 says, as the Lord gave to each one. So every one of us here in the church service today, every one of us has a spiritual gift. We have different spiritual gifts. Some people love working with transients. Other people hate that. Some people love working with young people. Other people hate that. The point is, God has gifted you to do something. And what you need to do is find out what your gift is and then start using it. In your Sunday school class, we need to get a class president that is an extrovert. A person that will greet every single person that walks into the room, especially the visitors, every week. You need to get an in-reach leader. That's somebody who really cares about people. We have care groups in our church where you reach out to folks. If they're not there, you find out why. You call them say, are you sick? Anything I can do for you? You need help with something? To follow up. Get a person that cares about missions in your class that really has a missions consciousness and takes the group maybe to paint a room at Metropolitan Ministries or at the Good Samaritan Mission or at Hope Children's Home, something, where you go and you're actually involved in home missions. That'd be good. We need to have an outreach leader or two, In every class that's not apologetic about sharing the gospel. Sometimes the right people, the wonderful people, are pushed into doing something that's not right for them. Now, if that's been the case in your past, that doesn't mean that you won't like everything. It just means that maybe you got in the wrong pew there for a little bit. You know, there's a lot of different things that we can do. And when you get in the right thing, the way God has gifted you then you can do a miraculous work. Church leaders should not be comparing and competing with each other, but helping each other. Always say something nice about the other person. Maybe you can help the other leaders to sharpen their skills. Maybe you know. Just the person that could help that person that has a particular need. You could help them. That would be great if you could get those two together. Verse 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered. Planted and watered are in the aorist tense in the Greek language. It means the action is completed, but the results of that action go forward. Well, if the other person, the Apollos that's working with you, if their work is having a lasting benefit, you want to compliment them and say, hey, we need to do that in all of our groups and to try and make that come about. Have you ever followed somebody in ministry, in a class, on a committee, as a deacon, and you realize there were a lot of bells and whistles, but not much spiritual growth in that group? And so you had to start from ground zero Uh, to build up the right emphasis. Uh, No one is trained spiritually. If that happens, in whatever group you're in, there needs to be a dramatic change in what you're about. It's so nice to follow someone who was there before, who trained the people spiritually and, and really did a great work. Well, let me ask you, are you training people in whatever group you're in? A lot of different groups in the world, and you're in some groups. Are you training people? There's a lot of ways to do that, of course. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. They worked together. A big part of Paul's ministry was training other people. He did that his whole time in God's work. He encouraged others. All the time. You know, we live in a very negative society. We need somebody to give us an attaboy every once in a while. We need somebody to say, good job. We need somebody to say, you know, I didn't know that you could do that so well, but you did a great job. Everybody needs that. We need to be doing that not only to our family members, but our church family members and helping them. Paul spent a life mentoring other people. And certainly we ought to be about that. Verse 9 says, we are God's fellow workers. He's saying depend on each other. I have always tried to teach leaders faithfulness. I emphasize being present. Now today it was cold and rainy and you're here. So to me, that's just terrific, you know, that's terrific. And I'm so glad, of course, to see every one of you. You know, if you sing in a trio and one of the members of the trio doesn't show up for practice, guess what? The trio doesn't work. Uh, you know, you have to be there if you're in, in a group doing something. Uh, if it's raining, be, be there. If you have a meeting, if you have a little congestion, be there. Maybe you can use a handkerchief a lot. If you are not feeling well at all, be there. Sit over to, you know, a little bit away from everybody else and tell them, say, you know, I'm a little sick, but I wanted to be here. So I'll just sit over here. If you think you're dying, be there. Everybody has to die somewhere. If you do die, fall toward the meeting. You know, you can tell how I feel about meetings. Uh, meetings are important. Verse eight says God will reward the servants. He'll reward them. Each will receive his own rewards. Some people are always complaining if they don't get the rewards that they want. Well, that should not be our goal. God rewards us if we are faithful to his goals, not our goals. God will reward you for being faithful and serving. As we serve, we see miracles happen occasionally. And you know what is even better than that? Sometimes those miracles are with us. And of course that changes our lives. We need to keep growing every year in our spiritual lives. Now think back to last year in January. Are you more mature spiritually now than you were a year ago? Are you? That's important to know. Did you know that crocodiles grow Every day until they die. Did you know that? They don't get to a certain size and then stop growing. They keep getting bigger. If you go to alligator world, uh, you're going to note that there are three or four alligators there that are humongous. You know, 16, 17 feet. And you think, boy, how did they get so big? Well, they lived. They get bigger every day of their life until they die. Did you know that you don't want to be like a wasp? A wasp, now you can check me out on the internet on this this afternoon. A wasp is as big as they ever get the day they're born. Isn't that weird? I think that's so weird. We want to grow spiritually every year. We don't want to stay the same way we were when we were born. We want to grow spiritually. We want to work well with others and help them grow and let them help us and guide us perhaps in some ways. We want to pray for them and they will pray for us. Good leaders in the church are folks that sort of are mindful to those things. What's the best setting for all of that to happen? The local church. That's where it happens. You know, we each week uh, give an invitation. It's for people that, of course, have never trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, in Jesus' time, when he was preaching and teaching, he would preach and he'd say, Would you follow me? And people would come out of the crowd and they'd follow him. That's one of the main reasons. We don't want you to be ashamed of Jesus. That's one of the reasons why... We call you out of the crowd to come and take a stand for Christ. And then, of course, uh, you know, you can come and join the church and be a part of the family. And we'll try and help you and you try and help us. And and we'll try and grow spiritually every day of our life until we die like the crocodile. You know, whatever it takes to get us on the right path, moving toward our Lord and Savior. I'm going to stand down here at the front. We're going to sing a hymn. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out, slip forward, and stand for our Lord today. Let's stand as we sing.